Democrats tell pollsters what they want in a 2020 presidential nominee. And one thing is clear, Democrats really want a white guy. This should come as no surprise to those who have traced the history of the Democrat Party, which was founded by white guy Andrew Jackson, preserved by white guy slaveholders, resurrected by white guy Klansmen, and with the exception of one half of one guy has exclusively elected white guy presidents. Then the government is likely to remain open as the president signals he's willing to cave on funding for the wall. It's okay, though, don't worry, because Republicans just voted to let thousands of criminals out of prison for some reason, and transgenderism deals another brutal blow to the ideological left. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. Today is opposite day. Today is totally opposite day. I'm upset with President Trump and the Republicans. I want to compliment Cenk Uger. He actually did something good. Uh, Democrats embrace being the party of white men. Republicans cave on the wall. They let thousands of prisoners out of prison. We will get to all of that, that bizarre opposite day. But first, let's make a little money, honey, with ExpressVPN. With all of the recent news about online security breaches, it is hard not to worry about where your data go. Making an online purchase or even just accessing your email could put your private information at risk. You are being tracked online by social media sites, marketing companies, and your mobile or internet provider, and everyone else. People looking over your shoulder, man. That's why I decided to take back my privacy with ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, phone, or tablet. Turning it on takes just one click. You really need this, guys. I am telling you, uh, especially when, when you consider the sort of stuff that I look at on the internet, you know, like dailywire.com, when I all that weird stuff, you have to do it. And you'd be a, a fool not to uh, use ExpressVPN. You, you would be a fool to let your data just out there. Don't do it. I'm glad that I, I secure my data. You should too. ExpressVPN secures and anonymizes your internet browsing, encrypts your data, hides your public IP address, protect yourself for just less than 10 bucks a month. Do it today. Find out how you get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash M-I-C-H-A-E-L. Go and D-O-I-T-R-I-G-H-T-N-O-W. Get three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash Michael to learn more. The polls are in. Democrats have looked ahead to 2020, and they only want white guys. They don't know, not women, not black guys, not Hispanic people. Nope, only white guys. There was a poll put out by a group called Democracy for America. This was a major poll. This was a poll of 94,000 progressives, uh, self-identified progressives. Who is the number one choice for 2020? Oh, it's not Kamala. Oh, no, no, it's not it's not Cory Spartacus Booker. No, 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 no. It is Bernie Sanders who in 2020, I think he'll be 179 years old in 2020. So he will be well past the constitutional mandate of being 35 years old. He'll be many multiples older than that. So he certainly can run. He might be a little old, uh, but it wasn't even close, by the way. Bernie Sanders blew his competition out of the water. The next closest competitor was uh, Joe Biden, also a white guy. But Bernie got three times as many votes as Joe Biden. He blew it, blew it out of the water. So number two was Biden. And number three, Beto O'Rourke. Now, you might be confused. You'd say with a name like Beto, that's not a white guy. Actually, it is a white guy. His name is Robert Francis O'Rourke. He is entirely Irish. He is not at all Mexican. So the first three guys, white guys. The first two guys, old white guys. 
Only when you get to number four do you get Liz Warren. She's only 1,023, 1,024ths white. She's obviously one 1,024th Native American Indian. And then number five, you get Kamala Harris. So it, you actually can trace gradations of white all the way down to Kamala Harris. You start with Bernie Sanders. He lives in Vermont. He lives in basically the whitest state in America. Then you get to Joe Biden, still pretty white, but you know, he's got a little more Rust Belt vibe. Then you get to Beto O'Rourke. He's completely white, but he's a fake Mexican. Then you get to Liz Warren. She's also completely white, but she's got a little drop of Native American. Only when you get to Kamala Harris, do you get anything even resembling a racial minority, which again, I wouldn't really care about, except Democrats make a very big deal about being the party of racial minorities and, and uh, women and this and that. And then in reality, they're just, the opposite. Don't just take this one poll. This one poll is not just an outlier. Moveon.org, that odious left-wing group, did another straw poll. And this one did not put Bernie on top. It put uh, Beto on top. So Beto was on top, then uh, Joe Biden, and then Bernie Sanders was number three. So again, the exact same top three people born out again from that uh, uh, progressive poll now into moveon.org. Same three guys, different order. The really bad news for Democrats is the Hill TV poll of who Democrats want for their 2020 nominee. The uh, number three winner there was Bernie Sanders, old white guy. The number two winner was Joe Biden, also old white guy. The number one winner, none of the above. Who, I guess statistically, is a white guy. If you just look at the numbers of people in the United States, none of the above you know, basically anyone else, you've got a very good chance of that also being a white guy. So all three polls privilege the white guys. This, uh, this again, completely goes over. And in that Hill TV poll, the number fourth choice was Hillary Clinton, incredibly. Uh, Number five was Elizabeth Warren. Then you got Kamala Harris. Then you got Cory Booker. So Again, you see, it's funny. I mean, I would make the joke anyway, but you actually do see this borne out in the Move On poll, uh, the Hill TV poll. You see it borne out, this, these gradations of, uh, of whiteness. So uh, the Democrat Party, I don't know that they can really make this claim that they're the party of intersectionality, that they're the party of tearing down the, the you know, mean old white guy. But uh, they're, I mean, they're going to make it anyway. They're always going to make that claim. But it does show that huge gap between the rhetoric of the Democrat Party and the reality. They say, we're for the people. We want the popular vote. You don't really want the popular vote. You want the popular vote if you're a Democrat because you think that it'll help you out in certain swing states. Democrats don't want the popular vote. They won't even allow the popular vote in their own uh, nominating convention. They won't even allow the popular vote in their own primary campaigns. That's why they rely on superdelegates, party elites, to come in and say, you're going to be the nominee. Who cares about the will of the people? Um, uh, Okay, I've beaten up on Democrats enough. I actually have to switch gears here and beat up on Republicans a little bit. The White House right now is signaling that there will not be a government shutdown. Here's senior advisor to the president, Kellyanne Conway, in a surprisingly contentious exchange on Fox and Friends this morning. Well, first of all, let's not all acquiesce to the ridiculous soundbite that this is about a wall. They're trying to make a wall, four-letter word, when the president's been talking about border security all along, as have the Democrats until he became president. In 2006, they voted for the Secure Offenses Act that included Schumer, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Joe Biden. Twenty-six Democrats voted for that. This past July, 10 of the 15 Democrats on the appropriate committee, the relevant committee, voted for border security. Oh. 
okay. Oh, this isn't about a wall. This isn't about, okay. And actually, later on in this interview, uh, Steve Ducey comes in and and actually grills her a little bit. What What's going to happen to this shutdown? Why isn't the government going to shut down? The real reason we know that the government is not going to shut down is uh, that the Senate has voted on a, or is voting on a funding bill to fund the government through February 8th. So it's a short-term funding bill. It's not a major one. But what happens before February 8th? Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats take control of the House of Representatives. This raises a big question. Why did Trump back down? He told us, I'm going to be proud to own the government shutdown. I will shut down the government in order to build the wall and get $5 billion to build the wall on our border. Stephen Miller went on Face the Nation, said exactly the same thing. One suggestion for why he did that is that he didn't have the votes. Nancy Pelosi made this claim in the Oval Office. The fact is, we do not have the votes in the House. Nancy, I do. And we need well, border security. Nancy, we'll find out. Nancy, we need border security. It's very simple. Of course we do. We need border security. So we knew that President Trump didn't have the votes in the Senate because he would need 10 Democrats to switch over. But the question was, does he have the votes in the House or not? And as, as Steve Ducey brought up on Fox and Friends, Paul Ryan doesn't want the wall. I, I think that's fair to say. I don't think Paul Ryan wants the wall. I think if he did, he could have whipped up the votes, but he doesn't. There are a lot of Republicans in the House who don't really want the wall. They talk a good game when they're on the campaign trail, but they don't actually believe in enforcing our immigration laws when they are uh, governing. So um, my suggestion in all of this was let the Democrats shut down the government or let Trump shut down the government or whoever we're going to blame for shutting down the government. Let it happen because this is a political winner for Republicans. One, it's the right thing to do just for the country and for our system of laws. But two, it's politically beneficial for the, the Republican Party and for the president. Why not let the Democrats, who are now so hysterical, so obsessively committed to open borders, why not let them shut down the government over that? They say keeping borders open, letting thousands of illegal migrants cross the border, make a mockery of our laws, let them come in willy-nilly, 3,000 people a day. They're so intent on that that they're willing to shut down the government. That's a great campaign commercial. That's a great way to enter into 2019, but they wouldn't do it. There's an amazing irony here. There's a poll out from Gallup that says that when Americans are considering all of the various political problems, they think the number one problem is the government and the number two problem is illegal immigration. Here's an idea. How about you shut down the government to stop illegal immigration? This is a win-win. This is killing two birds with one stone, or in the new PETA language, feeding two birds with one scone, or whatever idiom you want to use. This is a big win. People don't like the government, rightly so, and they don't like illegal immigration. You can shut down the government, and you can get, shut down the government as a tactic to get $5 billion to build the wall and stop illegal immigration for the near future. But they won't do it. And this is frustrating enough. Now I see the, the flip side of this is what leverage does President Trump have? You shouldn't enter into a government shutdown if you don't have leverage to reopen it. And the president doesn't have leverage to reopen the, the government. I guess the only leverage would be once the Democrats take control of the House of Representatives, then, uh, then there's really no point in carrying on. So you could reopen and say, okay, we've dragged this out for a month and got a lot of bad press for Democrats and say la vie, maybe we didn't get the funding for the wall. But uh, but so what? Who cares? I, I just, I understand there's not a lot of leverage there. Now President Trump says he's going to get the military to build the wall. 
They'll get money from other agencies. They'll find it some way else. Okay. So we don't get the wall. We are going to fund the government. It looks like the party is going to back down on this just like they did twice, uh, two other times this year. But at least the Republicans just voted to let thousands of criminals out of prison. We'll get to the first act in a second, but a uh, first step act in a second. But first, let's make a little money with Purple Mattress. You know how much I love Purple Mattress? Purple Mattress is, I'm a proselytizer for it. It is the greatest bed certainly I've ever owned. It is not quite a memory foam. It's not an inner spring. It's this totally separate thing. It's going to feel like nothing else you've ever tried. It was developed by a rocket scientist. I absolutely love mine. It is both firm and soft at the same time. That sounds like it doesn't mean anything. It does. It actually does. It's perfectly supportive. It sleeps really cool, so it doesn't bother you in the in the summer. It's just fabulous. Um, it, it's, it's unique material is what does this. I wish that I were a scientist so I could describe what it is, but I'm not. It feels like you have this zero gravity feeling. I guess that's the best way I can describe it. Uh, you get a hundred night risk-free trial. If you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund, but you're not going to want to. You're going to be feeling what I feel in my boudoir every night. Backed by a 10-year warranty, free shipping and returns, free in-home setup, and old mattress removal. You're going to love it right now. My listeners will get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That is in addition to the great free gifts that they're offering site-wide. Just text COFEFE, C-O-V-F-E-F-E, to 40. 474747. 47. That is the only way to get this free pillow. Text COFEFE, C-O-V-F-E-F-E, -E, to 474747, C-O-V-F-E-F-E, -E, to 474747. Message and data rates may apply, but it's worth it because you'll get a sweet purple pillow. So we don't shut down the government. We don't get the $5 billion for the wall. But at least Republicans just voted on the First Step Act, which will let thousands of criminals out of prison. Because that's how President Trump won, isn't it? That's how he won his election. He said, look, we're not going to stop illegal immigration, but we will let thousands of criminals out of prison. Yeah. And they said, yeah, let them out. Let them out. Unlock the prisoners. Unlock the criminals, right? Was that what they were chanting at the rallies? No, I don't think it was. They were chanting, build the wall and also lock her up. They actually wanted to put more people into prison, particularly Hillary Clinton. This was a bad idea. I, I you know, I, I'm a supporter of the president. I'm a big supporter of this administration. They've done so much good. And sometimes they do stuff like this. This First Step Act is just, what a bad idea. Tom Cotton was against this uh, Republican senator. Uh, he was a hardliner. He was kind of leading the conservatives against this in the Senate. But it failed. He tried to introduce some amendments to kill the bill. And it just didn't happen. Who is supporting this thing? Kim Kardashian is, so great. Um, the ACLU is supporting this. Van Jones, left-winger on CNN, was celebrating. He was so happy when this bill passed. Politics sure does make for strange bedfellows. Why on earth are we voting for this when we could have built the wall? What, is this, what does this bill do? Whenever you come out against this First Step Act, the Criminal Justice Reform Spring the Criminals from Prison Act, they, uh, people accuse you. They say, you don't know what's in the bill. Well, I don't know. I'm not an expert on the bill, but, but tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if I get any of these bullet points wrong, and then you can lecture me about not knowing what's in the bill. The bill will ease mandatory minimum sentences under federal law. Right now, there are mandatory minimums that judges have to uh, have to use when they're sentencing people. And this would ease those sentences. It would expand the so-called safety valve so that judges can avoid them. So it puts a lot more uh, discretion into the hands of judges, which uh, might be helpful to some criminals. But then again, 
when you just rely on the uh, capricious moods of judges, then you're, you're not really treating people with total equality under the law. You're giving a lot of uh, care to the whim and whimsy of judges. Uh, it would ease the three strikes rule. So right now there's a three strikes rule. If you get three or more convictions, uh, you will automatically get a sentence in certain cases of life in prison. Now that reduces that dramatically to 25 years, and then the rest of the law can ease that to make it even shorter. Uh, it also restricts the current practice of stacking gun charges. So right now, for instance, this is what you always hear. You say, someone shouldn't serve life in prison for just possessing a little dime bag of pot for personal use. Yeah, of course, I agree with that. Nobody disagrees with that in the whole country. But the people who are in prison for simple possession, how many of them pled down those charges from much more serious charges, from charges like uh, dealing drugs? You know, right, right now we're at the height of an opioid epidemic, of a drug epidemic that is so bad, it's actually helping to reduce the average life expectancy in the United States. And we're saying that we should go easier on drug dealers. Many drug dealers who have pled down uh, their crime to a simple possession or something like that. And, and what the First Step Act will do is now not allow prosecutors to stack gun charges. So if you're a drug dealer out on the streets and you're packing heat, uh, uh, pros prosecutors can stack that on top of your drug charge. Now they'll say, no, that's okay. That's okay. The drug dealer was packing heat because, it, you know, it's a black market that's awful and it gets Americans addicted to poison, but we shouldn't punish him for packing heat. Ridiculous. Uh, it also increases good time credits that inmates can earn. Currently, inmates can get up to 47 days uh, credits of up to 47 days per year incarcerated. Now that increases to 54, which allows relatively well-behaved inmates to cut their prison sentences by an additional week for each year that they're incarcerated. But this is also retroactive, which means that the day this law goes into effect, uh, according to supporters of the bill, not critics, according to supporters of the bill, 4,000 prisoners will qualify for release that very day that it goes into effect. Uh, the bill will allow earned time credits by participating in more vocational and rehabilitative programs. And what do we mean by this rehabilitative program? This is really what the whole bill's about, because they're treating the criminal justice system as though it's only about rehabilitation. It's not about punishing people. It's not about criminal justice. It's not about de even deterring crime. Certainly not about those two things. It's just about rehabilitation. It's a, it's a therapy session. I don't even know why we're only restricting it to criminals. Why not? To, we could all use a little rehabilitation, couldn't we? So now you'll get extra credits if you take part in rehabilitation programs. We also just found today, this broke, that the federal government has paid $365,000 in recent years to the Nation of Islam, Louis Farrakhan's radical organization. The organization, obviously bigoted, refers to Jews as termites, to go into prison and rehabilitate prisoners which actually means radicalize prisoners into that perverse ideology of the nation of Islam. That's, that's what we're talking about here when we talk about rehabilitation programs. This is uh, obviously a fundamental misunderstanding of the criminal justice system. And I don't know which wing of the White House or which uh, wing of the Republican Party is pushing this sort of stuff. It seems so compassionate doesn't it seem why we, I want people to get out of prison if they've served their time, if they've been reformed. I really do. I'm not just a total hardliner. I know people who were bad people, who killed people, who were real bad hombres, and uh, they were totally reformed in prison, 
one guy, I won't say his name, from uh, New York, uh, you know, he is a born-again Christian. He's one of the most charitable people. He's like a saint walking the earth, goes to mass every day. He's just an incredible man. You can be reformed in prison. I hope that happens. That's a wonderful thing to do. That's not an excuse to spring thousands of people out of prison long before their sentences are over with the dubious uh, evidence that they've been reformed in some way, that they're not going to go. And, and now to make it easier for people who are dealing poison out on the streets carrying guns while they do it to uh, avoid long jail sentences. That's not the way to do it. It's a total misunderstanding of the criminal justice system. Another aspect here, I, this is like really opposite day. Uh, President Trump's administration is now banning bump stocks. The bump stocks are, they're on, you put the bump stock on your rifle and then you basically hold the trigger and you can pull the if you run your hand, this is getting a little a little graphic for a family show, but if you run your hand down the uh, the length of the gun, uh, it will simulate what, what would seem like an automatic weapon so you can fire more rapidly. You can't really aim at anything, so it's not a terribly useful tool. But he's now, uh, the administration has banned these. This is because of that shooting in Las Vegas in 2017 that uh, killed 58 people and injured hundreds more. Uh, bump stock was used in that shooting. Bump stocks are virtually never used in shootings, but it was used in that one, so now they want to ban it. Banning bump stocks would not have saved a single life in that shooting. There's no evidence of that. That shooting went on for 10 minutes. Just pulling the trigger, one, 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 you could easily kill and injure all of those people in the course of 10 minutes. The shooter wasn't found for an hour. His body killed himself, and then his body wasn't found for an hour. The, the bump st- a bump stock ban would not have saved a single life in Las Vegas. Just as always happens when there's a mass shooting, uh, the left wing calls for gun control, and then you say, which gun control law would have prevented the shooting? Which gun control law would have saved a life? And they say, I don't know. I just want to do something. Well, you've got to do something that's helpful. You can't just do something and then pat yourself on the back and say, oh gosh, aren't I a good person? You haven't accomplished a single thing. Even more shocking then my frustration with the Trump administration in the last week is I actually think Cenk Uger of the Young Turks got something right. I know, I know this is shocking. This comes in the wake of Tucker Carlson's comment. Tucker Carlson's under fire. The left-wing radical groups are calling for a boycott of his Fox News show, and it's because of this comment. We have a moral obligation to admit the world's poor, they tell us, even if it makes our own country poorer and dirtier and more divided. Immigration is a form of atonement. Previous leaders of our country committed sins. We must pay for those sins by welcoming an endless chain of migrant caravans. So he's right about that point. He's right about the white guilt and the ideology of open borders. But did you catch what word got him in trouble? It's, yeah, it was the dirty. Said it would make our country dirtier. And just as a very simple observation, Poor countries are dirtier than clean countries, than rich countries. That's, that's certainly the case. They, I have traveled to the third world. I have lived in the first world. I've probably gone to the second world. I don't know exactly where the second world is. I've been all over, and of course it is. Of course poorer countries are dirtier. They don't have the same resources for sanitary systems and, and uh, things like that. So he makes that point. Should he have used a different word? Maybe. Are all illegal immigrants who come, people who come here from bad places, are they all dirty when they come here? No. 
at least not for very long. You know, you can acclimate to America pretty well. So yeah, okay, maybe you shouldn't have used that word. Is it the end of the world? No, I don't think so. And now the left is just jumping on this to, to call for a boycott of Tucker's program. I mean, they've just been waiting. They call for boycotts of everybody's programs all the time. And you notice the right doesn't call for boycotts of left-wing programs. Very, very rarely does that happen. Generally speaking, we let them spout their nonsense and uh, and we just say what we want to say. I've never called for a boycott of Rachel Maddow's program because if I did, I'd be arguing myself out of a job. So I certainly wouldn't want to do that. So shock of all shocks here on Opposite Day, Cenk Uger of the Young Turks came out swinging in defense of Tucker Carlson. I, I think as odious as Tucker Carlson's comments are, he gets to make them and we get to make the counter argument. It's not a First Amendment issue. These advertisers have every right to put their ads anywhere they like. They're not the government. Okay, but as a general principle, I believe in freedom of speech and I believe that in the marketplace of ideas and you could say, "Hey, that's hokey jank and it's not right and it's, you know, one is on a cable news station powered by billions of dollars that Rupert Murdoch put in and you guys are online and it's a totally different animal." We'll take them on anyway, and we will beat them anyway, and we're beating them today. So I think they should let us battle it out, but now the sponsors are pulling out. I don't know what you think, Dan. He's absolutely right about that. I will point out, though, he he lays this caveat. He says, and it's a cable news station, and Tucker's powered by zillions of dollars from Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, true. The Young Turks has a studio at YouTube. Don't they? I think I'm getting that right. I don't, I don't want to say anything that's untrue. I am 99.9% sure the Young Turks have a studio at YouTube, which is powered by essentially the biggest corporation in the history of the world. So let's not throw stones here. But he makes the, a very good point. Why? You're right. It's, it's, a, it's private businesses. It's, it's cable news. It's whatever. So people can boycott. It's not a government issue. It's not a First Amendment issue. But they shouldn't. Just let him say what he wants to say. We can have a dialogue. He gets it. He gets this exactly right. This is where, if the left is smart, they will move. This is the sort of thing that they'll embrace. Chenk is still a left of Lenin on just about everything else. But they're gonna they're gonna be the snake that eats its own tail if they keep it up with this censorship stuff because they're just slowly gonna destroy themselves and censor themselves. There was this woman, this feminist writer in Canada, who disagreed with the transgender ideology. She's a left winger. She's a a feminist writer. They banned her from Twitter because the snake was eating its own tail. And this is what's going to happen to the left. It's just going to totally destroy itself unless they get on board with what Cenk is saying. And I think that's probably why he's saying it. We have a lot more to get to. Great stuff from Dan Crenshaw. He is that uh, congressman, war hero, you know, he was injured in, uh, in battle, lost an eye. And uh, also, tr- speaking of transgenderism, transgenderism is one of the greatest gifts the left has ever given us. Uh, it's ripping down another leftist fantasy in abortion and uh, some more craziness at Mount Holyoke College. But first, if you happen to like books with words, and I don't, I mean, I'm sort of take them or leave them, uh, you are going to love Ben Shapiro's latest release, The Right Side of History, How Reason and Moral Purpose Made the West Great. Its official release date is March 19th, but you lucky listeners can pre-order your copy online right now at any major bookseller. Trust me, it is very, very good. It pains me to make an earnestly 
nice comment about Ben, but it's really good. I read it, uh, an advanced copy about it months ago, and it's, it's really a good book. It's terrific. It fills a real need. I think you will learn a ton from this book. I think it will be extremely helpful for the culture, and I think it's the most important, the second, I'm sorry, the second most important book to come out in the last two years. The second most informative, the second best written book, the second most comprehensive guide to Western civilization in the last two years. If you haven't read the first, you know, you got to head over and do that. But Ben's book is really good. You should pre-order it. This thing is going to sell out in a second. There's no question about it. Uh, today at 530 Eastern, 230 Pacific, Ben will also be taking all of your questions and blowing your mind with his wisdom live on air. We have got to stop letting Ben write my damn reads for this show. I'm not going to say this anymore, all right? Elisha Krauss will be there to collect all the leftist tears so that the great flood <laughs> does not happen again. If you're on dailywire.com, thank you. You keep the lights on over here. Kofefe in my cup. If not, go to dailywire.com. You know, you'll get everything. You'll get all the shows and the questions. Get your mailbag questions in. That'll be tomorrow. You get the Leftist Tears Tumblr. This is what you get. It's very, very important. You're going to need it. We're moving into Christmas time. You know, the left has a real tough time around Christmas. They don't like that word. They don't like the particularity of it. They don't like all the joy and the happiness and the family and the merriment. You're going to need this. You're going to need it, especially because I'm dreaming of a white Christmas when all those fluffy, salty tears come down there. They have much more volume than the liquid. You're going to need probably two of these. Go subscribe twice. Go to dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. Dan Crenshaw. Super cool guy, rising star in the Republican Party. You'll remember him because on SNL, that kid Pete Davidson made a joke about him and said he looked like a porn star pirate or something. I don't really remember the joke. It uh, didn't land, and this was controversial because uh, Dan Crenshaw is a war hero who lost his eye defending our freedom, yours and my freedom, defending our country. And so they kind of made up. Dan Crenshaw was very gracious about the whole thing. And he even went on SNL and for a fleeting moment made SNL funny again. And anyway, this week, Pete Davidson, the SNL kid, sent out what was essentially a suicide note on Instagram and said he doesn't want to live in this world anymore. He's trying to stick around, but he doesn't know how long he can last. He's talked about depression before and his, his battles with mental health. There is a suicide epidemic in this country. I've seen it up close. It's really, really nasty. Uh, it's disproportionately affecting millennials. Teen suicide is up 70%. So this really is no laughing matter. This is a real serious thing. And so everyone went to his side. Uh, Pete Davidson deleted all of his social media accounts. And Dan Crenshaw actually gave him a call. And it was a stand-up thing to do and the right thing to do. And here he is talking about it. Actually, I, I talked to him personally uh, yesterday and, and talked to him for a little bit about it. And, you know, we don't go back very far. We're not good friends, but I think he appreciated uh, hearing from me. And you know, what I told him was this, everybody has a purpose in this world. God put you here for a reason, it's, but it's your job to find that purpose. Mm. Okay. And you should, have, you should live that way. You should live that way, always seeking out that purpose, not expecting it to be given to you by anybody else. And know that you have value and, and that you maybe do more good than you realize for people, especially a guy like that. You know, he's, he's, he makes people laugh. Sometimes he makes people mad, <laughs> but he also, but he makes people laugh a lot. I, you know, and that, that's what we talked about. It was, it was a good conversation. That's the right thing to say. It's very important to remember this when we're talking to people on, especially on Twitter, but even on the air in politics or usually to people's faces, everyone's really nice. 
It's only on the air when they're writing or from behind a computer screen that they get really, really mean. You do have to remember, you're encountering an eternal soul. Every person you talk to, you're, you're encountering an eternal soul. C.S. Lewis writes about this a lot. It's almost a scary thought because especially in a culture that's a little more materialistic, we like to think of everything as just being what we see. So I'm, you know, this is a, this is a golden, wonderful vessel of leftist tears. And, you know, I can hear it and it's just, that's all it is. It's just material. My body is just material. When people die, they just turn to worm food. They take a dirt nap, they dissolve. But that isn't really true. There is a physical world and there's a metaphysical world. And we are both. We are both physical and metaphysical. We have a body and we have a soul. We have a, 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 both of those are intertwined. We're not, uh, I know it's fashionable today among sophomoric atheists to pretend that the soul doesn't exist, but it does. And when you encounter people, you're encountering a soul as well. You're not, this is really hard. I mean, especially when it comes to the hookup culture or dating or whatever, it's very tempting to use people. Everyone, this is a ubiquitous temptation. I get it. But uh, you don't just use people sexually. You can use them uh, professionally. You can use people uh, for social climbing. You can use people, for, I don't know, to get a favor out of them or something. And it's, it's really not the right thing to do. If you're not convinced of that as an ethical or moral matter, at least be convinced of it this way. You might see them again someday. <laughs> you might see these people in heaven. That's what C.S. Lewis describes. You might see them in another world and you say, oh, I remember when I met you? Oh, gosh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. And so it's very important. I try to do this. Everybody fails at it. Is That's not to say be a squish. That's not to say be a, a, just a nice guy all the time, be really low energy. Make your point, fight for what you believe, cut, be serious, go to rhetorical battle, absolutely. But don't say something you're going to regret. Don't say something in the heat of the moment that you, you wish you hadn't said. That's true of when you're talking to a friend or a family member or some stranger on the internet. Don't always try to, to be able to, to defend what you're saying and to be able to stand by what you're saying. And, you know, don't be uh, mean just for the purpose of being mean or cruel. You don't have to do that. You can be cutting. You can be brutal. You can totally own the libs without doing that. I, look, it's very funny when people are mean to each other on the internet. It's perfectly fine. It doesn't bother me in that personal way. But it, it will bother you over time, and it will make you more crass and you more cruel. Imagine, I mean, imagine how this also could have played out. Pete Davidson, the, the SNL comedian, makes this bad joke about Dan Crenshaw. And Crenshaw goes and he slams him and he's really mean to him and he says he's a terrible person. And then let's say Pete Davidson followed through on his threat. How, what would we be looking at? I mean, that would be a really terrible thing. You couldn't ever forgive yourself for something like that. So it's important to remember there are people there. And it's not just people in the way that we think about people in a very modern way. We're talking about souls. And you're going to have to see them someday. And you better not want to run away from them in heaven because that's going to be very awkward. Heaven is full of light and you can't hide. There aren't many places that you can hide in up there. Uh, some other good news. Transgenderism is ripping down this leftist fantasy of abortion. Now, this actually speaks to the soul as well. This is a story that comes right from the left, which once denied the soul, is now admitting that the soul exists. You saw over the weekend, there was that uh, guy competing for the Miss Universe 
pageant. So this guy, Miss Spain, is a dude who now either has had surgery or dresses like a woman or has had surgery and dresses like a woman. And uh, he didn't win, but he, he did very well in the Miss Universe pageant. Here is what he has to say about the question of whether or not he is a woman. I'll translate because I assume most of you uh, don't speak Spanish. He says, having a vagina does not make me a woman. I am a woman and already was before my birth. Because my identity is here in my mind, not down there. I love this story. I love the, the fact of transgenderism. In, I mean, it's not good for the people who suffer from the condition, but the ideology is very good for exposing the bizarre uh, contradictions within the left. Because what they've just admitted, what, what Miss Spain just admitted by the process of transgenderism is not just that he was a woman before he was born, but that he was before he was born, that he was anything before he was born. What the pro-abortion left wants us to believe is that you, you don't exist until the very moment that you are born. Two minutes before you're born, oh, you're just a clump of cells. You're just a random mishmash. You don't even look like a human. Oh, don't look at that sonogram. Oh, don't, no, don't feel the baby kick. No, no, it's just a mishmash of cells. Only once you're born do you become a human. And what Miss Spain just said is, I was a woman before I was born. And so it's acknowledging the humanity of the unborn baby, what we call the fetus, which really just means offspring or the embryo or whatever they want to talk about. It's acknowledging that that is a human life. But what Miss Spain is talking about is even further, which is at the heart of the transgender ideology itself. It's at the heart both of the condition and the ideology, which is that humans are not just physical objects. We have a soul. So I might be a man. Uh, you can check under the hood down there, you know, and everything checks out. I've got whiskers. I have a deep voice and a big Adam's apple. I am a man. I've got a Y chromosome. But in a non-physical, in a metaphysical sense, in a deeper reality, I am really a woman. And that this is the universal claim of transgenderism. But in order for that to be true, there has to be a metaphysical reality. There has to be a soul. You have to be something more than just your physical body. This is a very difficult thing for the left, for leftist materialists, for leftist atheists, uh, who say there, there is nothing beyond the body. There is nothing beyond the physical world. Well, if that's true, then transgenderism is even more ridiculous than it is in a world with a soul. If that's true, then what are they claiming? Then they're truly just babbling nonsense. Now, it's also nonsense in, in the world where there's a metaphysical reality as well. But it's at least much more plausible in that world. It, it cuts against this. And I, the, the reason this issue is so good, I mean, the, the reason why for the conservative side, I'm glad that transgenderism, which actually only affects 0.2% of the population, if that, I mean, a very vanishingly small percentage of the population. The reason that this has dominated the national conversation is because the left has to work out all of these issues and challenges that it poses for its ideology because it poses a ton of them. It just smashes down the notion that men and women are exactly the same or the notion that, that, that feminism makes. Either men and women are exactly the same or they're not exactly the same. 
either sexual differences are natural or they don't exist. They're just sort of socially constructed. Well, if they're socially constructed, what is a woman? What is a, what is feminism? If gender doesn't really matter at all, then why would someone surgically mutilate himself, go to such great lengths to try to more closely resemble a woman? If a metaphysical reality does not exist, then how can someone be a man but not a man, really? What does really even mean in that scenario? It raises a lot of really good questions. I think, you know, we're shocked by the ridiculousness of it, but rather than exclusively making fun of the ridiculousness of it, we should do that, you know, 92% of the time. But for the rest of the time, follow that train of thought. Think about why this issue has cropped up in the imagination of Democrats and left-wingers. It's because they're extraordinarily confused in their thinking. And this, this is a good opportunity to bring some clarity to it. I mean, this nowhere is this more visible than at Mount Holyoke College. Mount Holyoke College is traditionally a, a girls-only school. The current logo of Mount Holyoke College, MHC, has the H and the C to, combined to form the Venus symbol. That's the, the female gender symbol, you know? And uh, now this is very offensive. You're not allowed to do this anymore. Why? Because in 2015, the college decided it would no longer be a women's only college. It would also admit trans women, which is to say men. So the college now is, it's, it's a women's only college still, but the way they describe it is it's a gender diverse women's college. <laughs> it's a not only women women's college. It's a women's, not women's college. Okay. It's a contradiction of a college. The uh, president of Mount Holyoke College, Lynn Pasquarella, said, quote, we recognize that what it means to be a woman is not static. Just as early feminists argued that reducing women to their biological functions was a foundation of women's oppression, we acknowledge that gender identity is not reducible to the body. Right. I'm sure those early feminists are so happy now. They're just dancing in their graves or dancing up in heaven that now that their women's only college is is no longer allowed only to admit women. What a huge striving for uh, feminism. What a great leap forward. So not only do they say this nonsense, but after the protests of this symbol, a Mount Holyoke's spokesman responded and said, it is now evident to us that this symbol, the Venus symbol, the female gender symbol, has a long history of exclusion connected to movements that, while trailblazing for some groups, represents the erasure of others. We have thus determined that the college cannot move forward with a word mark that references this symbol. And it is true. The Venus female gender symbol does exclude some people, namely men. The women's symbol excludes men because the very definition of women until five seconds ago was and is not men. That's true. It's exclusive. It's not uh, tolerant in the silly way that we talk about tolerance now. But words are exclusive. Discrete things are exclusive. This is a pen. This is not a watermelon. That's so exclusive. Isn't that so exclusive? How I want it to be all things to all people. I want to be all things to all people. That's the typical cowardice of our age. We demand to be all things to our people. And when you try to be all things to all people, you are nothing to anybody. When you try to be a friend to all, in reality, you are a friend to none. You have to stand for something or you will fall for anything. How many more simple platitudes can I possibly utter? And well, there must be like 20 more of those. 
This is the mistake that Mount Holyoke College is admitting, the, the competency of Mount Holyoke College. The point, the raison d'etre of Mount Holyoke College is to be a women's college. If it ceases to be a women's college, it doesn't become twice as great. It becomes nothing. If the Venus symbol, if, the, if womanhood is not allowed to be womanhood, the thing that the Venus symbol is symbolizing, the womanhood, if, if womanhood is not allowed to be womanhood, then, it's, then there is no womanhood. It's nothing. It's not that womanhood gets better. It's that womanhood goes away and all we're left with is manhood and masculinity, which we're told is toxic. So that's got to go away too. And what do we have? Nothing. It's a race to the bottom. It is a race to emptiness. Another inconvenient philosophical, logical conclusion to the bizarre contradictions within leftism. And who do we have to thank for this? The transgender ideology. So got to give credit where credit is due here on Opposite Day. That is our show. We have got a lot more to get to, but eh, sorry, too late. Get your mailbag questions in. We'll go over that tomorrow. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Senia Villarreal. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer, Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Jim Nickel. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2018. Hey, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. It's mailbag day today. You know what that means. All your problems will be solved. All my answers are guaranteed 100% correct and will change your life for the better. Who knows? I'm Andrew Claven. Come on over to The Andrew Claven Show.